Hi everyone, welcome to Metaspace. I'm your host, Rachel Holmes. Today's guest is Tanya Mark, a non-diet nutrition and body image coach. Welcome, Tanya. Thanks for having me, Rachel. You're very welcome. Um, So Tanya, I'd like to start with actually your background. I know you've been in fitness, you were, or maybe you are still a massage therapist, uh, nutrition coaching. So can you kind of tell us um, how you found yourself to be where you are now? Yeah, you bet. I, um, I've been a lover of wellness for a long time. I think it really even goes back to the way I was brought up by my parents. They just love to move their bodies and we're always doing different things. And um, my siblings and I were always involved in dance or swimming or 4-H riding horses, all kinds of different things. And my parents really modeled their love for moving their bodies. And so I took that through my whole life. And I went to school for English literature and actually minored in French, but I had ended up moving from the East Coast to Vail, Colorado, and then ultimately ended up in Jackson where I was it's just a very fit community. People are loving being outside and moving their bodies. And then as a result, guess what? They sometimes overdo it, right? And so I start, and that that was me. So I started going and getting therapeutic massage and I, you know, I fell in love with it. And I ended up leaving Jackson and going to massage school back in Florida And then I moved back to Jackson to practice as a therapeutic massage therapist for about 12 years. And what I was finding is that the local people that were ending up on my table, just, I was seeing the same movement patterns that were becoming problem areas. And I decided I wanted to learn how to teach people to move in ways that maybe they wouldn't end up on my table. And that brought me to, you know, the field of fitness and becoming a fitness professional. So I worked in a private training facility for many years. And then there was the next step of wanting to help people with their nutrition And that led my husband and I to leave Jackson once more. (laughs) And we ended up moving to Denver, Colorado. And in Denver, I attended holistic nutrition school. And, you know, one of the things that came up for me with nutrition and after nutrition school, Rachel, was I became neurotic, I would say neurotic around only eating healthy foods. I, 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 I perfected it. <laughs> and I would say I became become obsessed with eating only healthy things. And so the key word there is obsessed. I was just taking yeah. it to the extreme, um, essentially because I felt like I needed to walk the talk as a professional in the nutrition um, industry. So, you know, I, I was moving through life doing that for a while. And then I discovered the Institute for Psychology of Eating, which is in Boulder, Colorado. And there is when I, whew, I just took a layer of stress off because I learned that it's not just what we're eating, it's how we're eating and why we're eating and that nutrition and nourishment is far more than just food, the food itself. It's the experience and it just opened up a whole new world of nutrition for me. Uh, And so that took me another step forward in my journey. And so I incorporated that in my work 
And then I started really seeing a lot of body dis dissatisfaction in my, in, in my work and with my clients. And so a lot of tears around coming to wanting to learn more about nutrition or improving their nutrition, but also with either a side or maybe like the main course of, I'm worried about my body and what it looks like, my appearance, my body's changing or has changed for a multitude of reasons. Maybe it's aging or pregnancy or stress or being in a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And so um, I started to see that. And I also started to see that the normal way that I was practicing the way I was taught, like the eat this, not that more black and white thinking around nutrition versus gray area was making it hard for clients to be successful because yeah. it was more, you know, Hey, you know, try this food plan for 21 days. Um, and then it's like, okay, well then what, <laughs> you know, after that. Mm -hmm. And so I also started to see that there were clients who were quote unquote, doing all the right things with nutrition, with fitness, and yet their body type didn't fit this image that culture was portraying as healthier fit. And I'm like, hmm, something's not right with this, you know, and obviously health is far more, our health is far more than your physical health. It's your mental health. It's your emotional health. It's your spiritual health. It's your social health, which is something that's really challenged right now in social distancing and isolation. So, you know, these pieces really started to come together and I was like, there's gotta be a better way to yeah. help clients. So I want to go back to what you said about nourishment being more than food and you kind of just touched on it there, but you know, for, I would say a lot of people um, talking about the black and white, we feel this pressure of, well, if we're not working out all the time and we're not, you know, doing what we're supposed to do or, or around food or eating, what we're supposed to be eating or what we think we're supposed to be eating. Not only do we have a lot of uh, pressure we put on ourselves, but there's a societal pressure to look a certain way. So can you talk a little bit more about the other parts of nourishment that go beyond food? Yeah, I, I, I think one of the things that's happening in our current culture <laughs> is the busyness of life and the distraction and the focus on just the nutrient aspect of nutrition. But if we stop and pause and really see, you know, our, our meal experiences as, I mean, just the act of eating itself, regardless of what you're eating is deeply nourishing who, you know, whether you're alone or with your with other people, if we sit down and the conversation at the table, the love that was put into the cooking of the meal, there's so much nourishment around the experience of eating. And in our current culture, where everything is quick and fast, um, I just have to get it over with. Uh, we're multitasking, we're checking emails, we're watching Netflix, et cetera, all while we're eating a meal that a lot of times we're possibly missing out on the eating experiences of such as noticing taste, texture, aroma, noticing when we're full, you know, the satisfaction. So there's some really key areas around nourishment that are far beyond just what the food is itself. And we need to factor that into good, healthy eating. 
and the current approaches, a lot of it is faced, excuse me, based around eat this, not that, good foods, bad foods. And I think there is a, uh, I'd like to, I, I think it would be important for us to shift to a, a more gray area, a gentle nutrition approach for the most part eating what we're eating most of the time year round is the way I work with clients. That reminds me of, I went to, um, I was at Yoga Journal Conference in New York City years ago, and I was at a talk, um, an Ayurvedic practitioner was giving, and um, it was like a three-hour talk, and one of the things I remember most, because at that time I was a dancer living in New York City, and everyone runs around and eats and like, you know, walk and <laughs> eats their food at the same time, or, you know, and he said something to, to that effect that when you slow down and you sit down, you're actually telling your body, like your body's able to process and assimilate that food better than if you were standing up or if you were doing something like multitasking at the same time that you eat. And I often think about uh, people in my life who really, it's like they create ceremony around mealtime Mm-hmm. Not only with them making food and like the energy and the love that they put into creating what they're going to eat, but also just taking that time to sit and, and to like converse during, you know, your food and like slowly eat it and enjoy it. I like, I didn't grow up with that. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I love it when I'm, when I'm around other people. Are that way um it's you it's just yeah talking about nourishing it's it's a much more nourishing experience even if you know you're not thinking so much about all the other stuff but just on the surface it's a much more nourishing experience mm-hmm. yeah slowing down <laughs> i think that's just a great message overall and with food in particular um the slowing down and what you had mentioned from your mentor and the experience of how our food, excuse me, our body assimilates the food is different when we're sitting down and we're relaxed. Mm-hmm. Our bodies, you know, f- will take uh, distracted eating, fast eating. And they, it, it equates it to stressed eating. It'll turn on the stress response. And when we slow down and we are under the um, parasympathetic nervous system, which is the relaxation response, that's when our body digests and assimilates our foods best. It's so good for our digestion when we slow down and eat. In fact, I kind of find, you know, from a nutritional standpoint, there's a lot of digestive complaints from just (laughs) in general out there. And one of the key pieces that I work with is slowing down, relaxing, Mm -hmm. noticing who you're bringing to the plate or what you're bringing to the plate. And can you take a few deep breaths before you have a meal to get your nervous system in that? Um, that beneficial state of digestion. These days, a lot of times it's the food itself that's kind of, you know, we're told don't eat this or don't eat that for digestion. And I like to start with how, how are you eating? Mm. Because I think that's a piece that's often missed is You know, sometimes you're eating the X food and you're like, God, I don't feel so good after eating this. And then you might have that exact same food and wonder why you did okay with it the next time. A lot of times it is because of the state we're eating under. And it's very, very powerful um, to our digestive health. Yeah, I don't think it's something most people would think about. I mean, I definitely never thought about it that way is how am I eating (laughs) you know what state am I am while I'm eating my food 
Well, most people don't. And it was one of the key ahas when I was at the Institute for Psychology of Eating is this how piece and how our, you know, we're, our bodies are incredible. And when we eat in a state that makes it function best, it's amazing how all these other little pieces start to improve just by simply sitting down versus standing up or not eating in your car, which I'm going to tell you, we're human beings. We all eat in the car. We all stand up. We all do these things. But if there, if you can try and move towards sitting down more or eating more relaxed, let's not make this again, a black and white rule. You know, we still want to be gray area, but you want to notice how are you operating for the most part with your food and how you're approaching food? Is it relaxed? Are you generally sitting down? Are you generally eating healthy foods? Because healthy eating is not perfect eating. You know, we, we want to enjoy the wedding cake or, or whatever, uh, any foods, you know, I like to take an all foods fit perspective um, because we are human and life's too dang short. <laughs> yeah, you have to enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. And I think that is helpful when people, if we do take a, for the most part, approach to healthy eating um, and not making anything of a failure or a cheat or bad. I think that's very important for humans. <laughs> so let's go into the body image part. You know, you talked a lot about um, the first, almost like maybe the first step being how are we eating, slowing down so we have a different experience with food. How does that then affect one's body image or start to, to reshape? how someone sees themselves? I think one of the key pieces that I find, I mean, my work is really focused on body respect. Body love and acceptance are amazing, but a lot of times that's a really tough place for people to get to. So my focus more is on body respect and I think I like to bring up some really key pieces to clients that they may never have never even been thinking about, such as body diversity is part of the human experience. There are all different uh, heights, shapes, sizes, you name it. Like that is normal. <laughs> body diversity is something like put your feet on the ground, like, and look around and see diversity. I think that is so important, especially with, with, with what we're consuming media wise, what you're seeing, hearing, saying around bodies. What are you watching on Netflix? What are you, who are you following on social media? Is there diversity in bodies and, and what they, you know, what health looks like, what fitness looks like. There is no look is the message that I'm trying to get across to people. Um, I also like to bring up genetics too, as part of that, like there is a genetic side, side of what creates, you know, this vessel that we are living in our bodies. So those are important pieces. And I also like to say, hey, while my um, expertise is in nutrition, and of course, you know, as a former fitness professional, um, health is far more than, like I said before, physical health. So when we're talking body image, I want to make sure when we're, the look of health and fitness is often intertwined in our body image, not for everybody, but for some of us. And so I like to say, hey, your health is more than your fitness, your nutrition, there's genetics, there's body diversities, there's all the social determinants of health, um, like your current environment, we're in a pandemic, socioeconomic status, um, race, gender, um, trauma, 
there's so many things involved in health and in body image. Those things impact your, how you see your body. Um, what else? The, the look of health being defined in our current culture, you know, the look of health, the look of fitness as being a thinner type body. I really, really like to spend a lot of time unraveling those myths and helping people see maybe some of the weight science that we're not seeing. And well, no, nobody's really seeing this. So I dig it all up. I show it to them how um, behaviors with, for example, you know, physical activity or improving your nutrition are what improve your health markers over regardless of whether or not your body changes. So we don't want to give up on those things. Um, so that's why I try and separate weight from wellness. And that mm. often helps people with their body image, because if you think your body is bad or something is wrong, or you need to control your body to stay a certain look, or if you have to, you know, spend the rest of your life trying to mold your body into a shape or size, that's just not yours. You know, like I really try and peel back those layers for people because um, we can take care of our health in um, a health at every size paradigm shift that is inclusive, that's not focused on our weight, that is focused on, as I said, uh, healthy behaviors, as well as looking to see about how all the other determinants of health factor in and make you a unique body. Um, so that's just a little bit about some foundational stuff that I lay down. And then there's the digging in, like I said, like changing your social media feed, um, making sure you uh, buy clothes or have clothes that you feel good in right now. Mm. Right now, that's so powerful. And I can't emphasize how such, it's not a simple thing, um, but an important piece to feeling good every day, getting off the scale is another one and measuring how you feel when you are eating, how you feel when you are moving instead of it being a means to um, focus on calories or how many, how much, how many carbs we're eating, like a reframe. Let's look to our whys with nutrition and fitness, you know, shift your why to all the amazing benefits from those things instead of the, you know, step on a scale and one day you, you're like happy because you like what it says. And then maybe you step on the scale and you don't like, and it just wrecks our day. And if we can just, I know this isn't easy. If we can just set, like set it aside. Like yeah. I even tell people like, what would life be like if you never stepped on a scale? Like you just, I think it's really important that I know that's like crazy to say for some people, it just sounds un impossible. Um, but when we understand that when we take care of our whole health, so not just physical health, whole health, and we allow our body to settle in whatever size shape it wants to be, that's my ultimate goal with clients. It may be a higher weight, a lower weight or, or the same. But, you know, this is not the normal messages that we're hearing out there, but it's really important to achieve or work towards making peace with food in our bodies. It is definitely not the normal message we hear. And I, and I, that's, that's part of why I reached out to you, Tanya, to talk to you, um, you know, life without stepping on a scale, I, for me, I, I was one of those people that stepped on the scale every day and it totally determined how I felt about myself. Um, and I don't know at what point I did this, but I got rid of my scale and <laughs> mm -hmm. never stepped, I haven't stepped on one in years and um, great sense of freedom and, and um, having less anxiety 
uh, is what showed up for me. And so coming from the dance world, I was also one of those people, I went through different phases of counting calories every day, or for a long time, I would just um, drink electrolytes, not like eat anything during the day and convince myself that, oh, I just need like vitamins and minerals and I'll be fine. And so I was, you know, talk about obsessed with image and thinking that relating, you know, your health to um, and fitness to the way you look. Um, you know, I think a lot of dancers or, or you know, anyone who's, who's um, kind of asked to fit into a mold goes through that at some point if they don't already fit in that mold. And um, I know lots of people who just because they're a certain weight are not well. You know, I was that way. I was, I was not, I would say, healthy because of what I was or wasn't putting in my body. And I wasn't, I didn't feel good about being in my body. Um, and I didn't have a lot of respect for it. And that re that was reflected in my actions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There's a power so in story. You know, your story is really powerful. And I hear stories like this all the time from people in all different sizes, shapes, ages, genders, races, identities, you name it, like the power of story. And that's one place I usually start is tell me about your, your food and body story. When I'm yeah. starting to work with a client is, uh, you know, tell me your background when, you know, how long has this been going on? What influenced it? You know, was it a parent? Was it being bullied? Was it trauma? Was it, um, being a dancer or, you know, some sort of athletic endeavor where um, there is a defined look, yeah. you know, and hopefully we're trying to get these things, these things are changing and shifting and we're really widening the lens of uh, what uh, healthy is and what fitness is. Yeah, it seems like it's, it's changing. I mean, you definitely see, or at least I've started to see different kinds of body shapes um, being represented as healthy or being a representation of what wellness is. And so it's not just, um, you know, a very athletic looking woman that you'll see all the time, but, you know, a, a woman that actually has curves, um, which is great to see because, um, you know, we're all, <laughs> we're all meant to look different. Um, and I think it should all be represented, but I, I feel like I'm starting to see that more. Yeah. What a really important piece for me is that I, when, when I am on social media, <laughs> I try and limit it is that not only am I following influencers that have a healthy relationship with food, but I love to follow body positive fitness people seeing that fitness can come in all different sizes and shapes. And I've witnessed this time and time again with my clients in Jackson Hole, which is a very fit community. And I have clients that are all different weights, sizes, shapes, and they may not look like they're quote fit or healthy according to cultural standards, but yeah. I know they could kick my butt they can lift heavy, far heavier kettlebells. They're incredible skiers, hikers, bikers. Uh, they have a great relationship with food, but their body doesn't fit that look. And we really need to clean that up. It's just, it's such an important thing. And so I highly suggest anybody listening out there to start diversifying your, your media yogis, right? Like body positive, uh, yoga, uh, Pilates, and they're out there. And so it's really great to just have a variety of people that you're following, uh, because this, this is what creates your reality around what is fitness and health, um, and even beauty, you know, what is, what is, you know, what is beauty? Cause that factors into body image too. I'm, I'm 51. So the aging process and going through midlife as a woman and now being postmenopausal, that all factors into 
um, who I am as a woman and how I see myself, which is really, you know, it's difficult in our culture because aging is also not something that is um, embraced like it is in other cultures. Yeah. Let's um, talk a little bit about intuitive eating. Um, what does this mean? Um, what does this process look like for your clients? Yeah, it's a really great question. The intuitive eating is actually a framework. It's a self-care eating framework for those of you who aren't familiar with it. I'm professionally certified in it by the founders of intuitive eating, Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch. They're dietitians. They created this self-care eating framework 25 years ago. So it's been around a long time. And they created it because they were constantly being sent clients from the medical community or, you know, to them as nutrition professionals to help somebody improve their eating to control their body weight. And what they were finding is that the eating plans that they were putting people on were not successful long-term. And so people would, their body weight may change, you know, might've changed and quote, that was success, but they found that people were coming back, you know, a year or two later or more and thinking they were failures. So they looked for a solution. So they created intuitive eating and it is 10, it's based on 10 principles and it's really a journey. So it's not something that you do for 21 days. For example, I have been doing it for four years and I'll be doing it for the rest of my life. So, you know, I uh, approached food differently when I was growing up. I had a pretty good relationship with food as a child um, because of the, my parents and how we sat down for meals and they were well, you know, well-balanced meals we always sat down as a family. So I had a good experience with that. And my parents just loved to move and we had a variety of foods. So there weren't uh, restrictions on food, things like that. Um, but of course that started to change and evolve as I moved through life and got influenced by different things and started to worry about um, my looks, <laughs> my body changing, um, so that really, that really, uh, shifted a lot. So, uh, and then, you know, as I described at the beginning of our talk, how that took me into the field of wellness and, you know, when I discovered intuitive eating about, you know, about three, four years ago, I was looking for that same solution that Evelyn and, Elise we're looking for. How can I help clients have a healthy relationship? Relationship, that's such a key word, relationship with food. It's something that is often not, more often than not, it's not talked about. It's just like, this is good and this is bad, but what is, what's your relationship with food? And that's what one of the main focuses is with intuitive eating um, you know, obviously I told you, I got really obsessed with healthy eating and I'm like, wow, this doesn't feel healthy. It's I'm taking this too far. And, um, I realized that's not what clients needed either. So it was just a, a personal shift and a professional shift. So intuitive eating is really based on body trust, meaning get back to trusting your body. And we're so used to having a plan to follow or rules to follow. Don't eat this. Do eat that. This is good. This is bad. And when we return to listening to our own body sign signals, there's a term for this in intuitive eating. It's called interoceptive awareness. And that is listening to the physical sensations coming from your own body. But it's hard to hear them when there's a lot of rules around when you shouldn't eat or when you should not eat and what you're allowed to eat, um, how much you're allowed to eat in all those rules. And your body is actually really smart 
And I know this is scary because most people are like, heck no, I don't trust my, myself to um, what I should and shouldn't eat and why and when and all this kind of stuff. So it, it takes time to rebuild this trust. We were all born intuitive eaters it's, as infants. Just think as an infant, Rachel, you know, um, when infants are hungry, what do they do? They cry. Yeah. They cry, right? <laughs> they scream, they cry, they demand, they're like, and, a lot, and, and that's not the only reason infants cry. But then when they're full, what do they do? You know, the spoons come in towards their face and they don't want it. They just turn their head to the side, right? They're like, right. no more. I'm full. I don't want any more. So we can return there. It just takes time and self-compassion and gentleness and knowing that it's, probably not going to be easy. Um, for me, like I said, I've been, I've learned the 10 principles four years ago, but I'm still practice that practice them, uh, daily because there's, there's always challenges in, um, what we're hearing from the outside culture of what we should and shouldn't do. And so this return to body trust is incredibly powerful. So some of the principles start with rejecting the diet culture. So all the noise out there and saying, nope, I'm going to start to really listen to my own body. So honor your hunger and then make peace with food, challenge the food police, discover satisfaction, feel your fullness cope with your emotions with kindness. Number eight is respect your body. So we talk about physical activity um, and movement, feel the difference. Um, you know, when you respect your body, this, I love this little line that is from uh, my certification in intuitive eating. It says, you know, just think of a, a person who has a size eight foot. Would that person be trying to put their foot in a size six shoe? So that's a lot about body respect. <laughs> it's really powerful when we start to think of that that way. Um, it's not easy. And then the, the final principle is honor your health with gentle nutrition, gentle nutrition. Um, and we can't just jump to principle 10. Everybody wants to just get there yesterday, but we have to examine a, an individual's, like I said, your story with food, with body, take you through this process one principle at a time. Sometimes we don't go in order. Sometimes we spend way more time on one principle versus another we have to individualize it that way because everybody comes from a different place in relationship with food and body. So these um, principles, and we can't just read about them. We have to practice and explore them and experience them. Um, and, you know, I read the books and did the workbook, you know, four years ago, but like I said, it's going to be a part of me for the rest of my life. So these 10 principles that make up intuitive eating are they in a way the tools to help kind of let go of the, the conditioning we've all gone through about, you know, what we should and shouldn't be eating and, and, and help to, um, like those layers fall away and get, getting back to hearing what our body is telling us? Yes. <laughs> well put, Rachel. It is peeling back the layers. And that's why we can't just jump to principle 10, gentle nutrition, which is for the most part eating, you know, is that every individual has to peel back those layers. And something like, honoring your hunger may seem really simple, but there's a lot of nuances to that. Um, because sometimes we may 
skip breakfast because of some rule that we've learned in an eating plan, you know, not being able to eat at a certain time. And I say, well, is that honoring your true hunger? And everybody's true hunger is different from a day to day, you know? Right. So that's why portion sizes, like that's not something I do in my practice because for example, Rachel, you go, you dance, you teach a yoga class, you um, clean your house, you, you know, do all that. And then the next day you might be sitting all day. So your hunger needs will change. And that's why we want to return to listening to our own bodies. And sometimes those signals can be, have been really muted by our head. We get in our head and we're like, no, I should be doing this and I should be doing that. Or um, it needs to look this way, or I shouldn't be eating this much, you know, that kind of rhetoric, um, the, the stuff that gets really messy in our head. And so it, it, intuitive eating is about returning to those signals, peeling back layers and layer, layer after layer after layer. Um, and uh, we approach this with kindness, gentleness, and, um, and self-compassion. Yeah, the, I, I think about that a lot, um, the mind versus the body. And it's not so much versus, but are they working in harmony with each other? And it's very much the Western way to focus so much on the mind. And I know I talk about this a lot, but um, we get so trapped in our thoughts and so trapped in conditioning. And we don't even know that we're, we've been conditioned in a certain way. And, you know, whether that's coming from the media we're digesting or how we were brought up, but our mind is formed, you know, based of all, off of all of our experiences. And, um, you know, coming back to that, that more balanced state of the mind and the body working together. And it's not just, you know, the mind going, you know, a mile a minute, um, I think that's really important for many, many aspects of life to get back to that place. Yeah. I mean, we, we can really get hijacked by our mind around food rules, around body image and, you know, what fitness and health is supposed to look like. And um, meditation, you know, you, it is a really, um, awesome tool to help us get back into our bodies and can really actually help with body image when we can um, have loving kindness for ourselves and for humanity in all bodies. And, um, you know, it, it, there's research behind it too, that meditation can help with body image. Yeah, absolutely. So Tanya, I want to ask you if when you, if someone wanted to work with you or the first time you see a new client, what's the process you go with, uh, through with them? So I don't have a cookie cutter plan. I like to work organically with clients. Obviously I want to find out what they feel like they're challenged with. What are your perceived challenges? Is it around food? Is it around body? Is it around body image? Is it around uh, movement, um, whole health? So I usually ask a ton of questions and I listen. I listen to the story. From there, I can start to create a plan to help somebody move forward in their relationship with food and body. And that for a lot of clients, I, I highly honestly recommend and say that most of us could benefit from taking themselves through the intuitive eating process because you just learn a lot about yourself. So I do that with most of my clients, not everybody. Um, Body image, I have to see how much of a, how big is this piece for somebody? What are they really struggling with? Is it 
the, I don't feel like I'm healthy. Is it, I don't feel like I'm attractive. Like where, where's the body image pieces coming from? Cause that's individual. Some people are like, no, I'm fine with my appearance, but I don't feel like I'm um, healthy. So I, I have to really unravel that. And then I will give them what they need to start exploring that. Is it weight science? Is it um, weight science usually is a big piece because it's like, okay, there's some science that shows that um, your your body weight or how much you weigh is is not the best indicator of your health. It's your health markers as far as physical health. And then of course, we talk about health from that broader, broader perspective, the emotional, mental, social, spiritual. Um, so those are the, the two main pieces we explore. Um, it could be having them watch a movie or a TED talk, or like I said, following different people on social media or uh, setting boundaries with friends and family, not to talk about good and bad foods or their diet or um, make comments about your body. Boundaries are really important too. So there's, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of pieces and strategies that we can work with depending on what somebody needs help with, with whether it's more food focused, focused or body, or a lot of times they're intertwined. And that's why I ended up doing both together. Yeah, it sounds like a kind of an all-inclusive approach, if you if you will, um, at how you work. And um, again, it's just it's not something I have found a lot when it comes to speaking about nutrition or or diet. Um, it's it always feels um, separate from. I don't know. I don't want to say the rest of your life because it's obviously not, but it's just kind of to go back to what we were speaking about earlier it's we're not I just find or have found that it doesn't incorporate all aspects of wellness and um, I think it turns a lot of people it can turn a lot of people off from I don't know trusting um, you know those in who are like wellness practitioners or um, feeling like there's a program that works for them. Um, and so your, your approach seems very all-inclusive to me. The, you know, the, um, it took me years to get here, Rachel. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I was an eat this, not that nutrition professional. Um, but when I started to work with, you know, over the years and years and years, starting to see that the way we were defining health and fitness and I was seeing real human beings that were doing quote, all the right things. And I'm like, okay, you're not going to tell me this person is unhealthy, you know, cause we have thin people who have, you know, a variety of health conditions. So when we're focusing on a number on the scale or health, um, it's really something that I had to turn around and there is an actual health paradigm that I would love to get out in our community. And it's, or not just our community, the whole world. <laughs> and it's called health at every size. And it is a movement that takes the focus off the scale. And it is full of body respect. It is full of inclusive inclusivity. Um, it does break down the weight science. It does focus on behaviors, not the you know, things like movement and, and moving, moving better or ways that are fun, you know, and eating, uh, taking a gentle nutrition approach to, um, to our health. And then of course, all the other determinants of health, like I said, you just said, wellness is, 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 is not just physical health and it's, it's all that wide lens. And, um, I think it's, it's a beautiful approach and I would love to, if, if people want to know more about it, um, you know, health at every size, just Google it or, or check out my articles. I write a lot about health at every size and body respect and intuitive eating, um, body image. I, I love to write. I write for our local paper, the Jackson Home News and Guide. 
uh, the column's radical acceptance. It's about redefining healthy and promoting a healthy body image. I love to put the message out there. So if you're curious, I just like to plant seeds that there is another way, another approach to our whole health. Um, I get really excited about it now because I'm like, oh my God, I know how much better I feel about my own self, my self-worth, um, especially because my identity was so wrapped around being a, a nutrition professional and a fitness professional and the look, the look, you know, and you know, I'm older now, my body's changed, you know, with hormones and, and, and perimenopause and menopause and just aging process in general. It doesn't even matter if you're a female or a woman or what you're, you know, um, you know, how you identify as a human being. Yeah. Um, where else can people connect with you? You mentioned uh, Jackson Hole News and Guide, um, the articles you write there. Um, what's your website or social media platform where people can connect? Yeah, so all those articles that I've written for the uh, Jackson Hole News and Guide are on my website. They're on my blog. So my website is just my name, which is pretty easy. It's tanyamark.com. Uh, all A's, T-A-N-Y-A-M-A-R-K. My Instagram, at Tanya Mark, easy again. <laughs> um, and that's the platform I'm on mostly. And I really like to share counter-cultural messages, possibly around food and positive messages around body, uh, health, fitness. And I'm also on Facebook, not as much. And that's Tanya Mark, non-diet nutrition. Um, so those are the three main places that you can find with me. And um, I also, if, if you're just curious and you want to kind of dip your toe, <laughs> toe in and maybe learn a little bit about this, I do offer a free guide. It's, I just created it, you know, a few weeks ago. It's called Five Steps to Stop Feeling Crappy in your body and make eating easy. And if you go to my website, you can just, um, uh, you're, you can download that for free. Perfect. Tanya, thank you so much for coming on this show. I, I've learned so much and um, it was just great to hear you talk about your own experience and um, how you're helping people now. And um, I just wanna say, I think it's really important um, just because, you know, we, we live in our bodies every day and um, it's important that we get to a place of, of a very least respect for, for our bodies and um, learning how to give them what they need. So thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yes, our bodies are our home. So important. <laughs> so thanks, Rachel.